Hi y'all, this is Editing Hannah. I'm sorry, but this episode is dealing with a little bit of an audio problem. The quality isn't great, but I hope you listen to it anyway, because the conversation with Festus is absolutely lovely. And I think you'll enjoy it. But yeah, you're gonna have to make your way through the crusty digital call quality. But trust me, it's worth it. Enjoy. Content warning, this podcast contains mentions of suicide, misogyny, homophobia, and transphobia. Hi everyone, welcome to a podcast on queer folks' favorite tunes. My name is Hannah, my pronouns are they, them, and this is Queer Sounds. Thanks again for tuning in. I, my guest today um, is... A friend of a friend of a friend again. So, you know, thanks again for so many people helping me out find the amazing guests that want to come on the show. Our guest today is the one, the only Festus. Hi there. Good morning. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. I've had uh, I'm, I've, I've had an easy morning. I've got my cup of coffee here. You know, I'm, I'm all I'm all good. <laughs> How are you? I'm fine. Thanks. I had, a, I had my cup of coffee a couple of minutes ago, so I'm good. Uh, it's been a crazy week, but I'm glad it's Friday. I can't right. wait for the weekend. <laughs> I mean, I'm, we're, we're breaking several podcasting rules here by A, saying good morning, indicating it's the morning, even though people might listen to this in the evening, and B, saying that it's Friday, because, you know, people might <laughs> listen to this on a Thursday when the episode, or Tuesday when the episode comes out. But oh, who sorry. Are no, it's okay. I did it myself as well. Who are we to care? <laughs> Right. <laughs> to be honest, so it's my first time on a podcast, so I don't know the rules. So, <laughs> well, um, I'm, I'm I'm glad to be your first. It's an honor to have you on. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, yeah. this podcast recording, if all goes good and well, yeah. is you know about an hour, and okay. you told me um, before yes. that you are not a very patient person. Like movies, you've never sit through an entire movie in one <laughs> sitting. Are you prepared to sit down and talk for an hour? I <laughs> Actually, yes, I am. Um, I've noticed if I can do this for work calls, because I know, you know, with Zoom meetings and everything, uh, because of the, because of Corona, I've, I've been forced to do meetings um, for an hour and a half moving on at random times of the day. So I will be patient. And besides, this sounds like it's going to be fun. So I'm excited. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm, I'm digging your energy. What's the last movie you've actually watched in one sitting? <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing a lot. Um, that's, that's so funny. which movie? The movie I watched, so there's this one on Netflix about this rich guy who who's about to die, so who has made a decision, who gets spent six months, and then after six months he was going to do to have assisted suicide. And I, I, that was the one movie that I watched all the way through. And it was interesting. I don't know if it's because of the English accent or the fact that he left the girl a ton of money to start over and heteronormativity sometimes plays itself. So, but it was a fun movie. I watched it to the end. How long is that ago? And how many movies uh, have you tried to watch since? Um, I, that was on Sunday. Oh, all right. That's reasonable. <laughs> yeah. A couple of days ago. Yeah, so. Okay, cool. Um, do you, do you, do you watch movies often or not at all? Um, whenever I can, um, I think it's funny, you know, how when you're in, when with adulting and things, when I was, when I was young, I used to enjoy movies, but now 
I feel like movies are, are a labor of love and because and ever since I became critical of the type of films I watch so for example um, I look for queer representation black representation you know uh, which story are they telling from whose lens are they telling that story so ever since I became aware of that I rarely watch movies just for the sake so right. that <laughs> so being political is <laughs> has ruined my movie watching skill <laughs> Yeah, it's not like you can just sit down and enjoy problematic cartoons. Yes. So I'm usually like, what are they saying? What are they saying about women? What are they saying about queer folk? Right. Then if if they if it's, if it's a good storyline, I'll listen. I, I'll, I'll watch. But these days I have the tendency to even stop a movie in between because I'm like, hey, there's something wrong. Um. So so what do you watch like just for fun? Uh, just for fun, I watch comedies, uh, but like uh, comedies starring women, because I feel like, um, or comedies written by women. So like, for example, I enjoy Girlfriends, uh, which was produced by Kelsey Grammer, uh, Half and Half. Uh, so I like those old movies. Uh, the ones that are I found interesting of late, um, I don't know, like I tend going, I, I, I've been going back a lot. So I'm watching a lot of things from the past. All right. But things that things that I, uh, I feel like I like things that you can watch and then it doesn't affect you like you leave it there and then you know not those movies that or or series or episodes you keep going like ah I'm too invested and then you can't stop. All right. Uh well you you briefly mentioned things from the past and that yes. would give me a nice seg- segue into track number 1. Mm-hmm. A artist called Kofi Olomide and a track called Andrada. Oh, yeah. 
It's such a long track. I'm going to go ahead and fade that one out. Oh my god, it's so long. I'd forgotten how long it is. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a good seven. It, it's, it's, it's almost eight minutes long. Um, yeah. And to be honest, I'm vibing. Um, yeah, look at this. You know, I like how it starts like it's sad and mellow. Then it then there's uh then you start da- dancing. Then there's a climax where you're all about you know shaking that booty. <laughs> right. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna fade it back in again at the moment where uh-huh. like the, the 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 rhythm changes. Like the entire yeah. thing is like polyrhythmic and on all, all all to itself. But like at totally. some point, it's such a smooth transition from yeah, like a little is. bit of a Roomba type of rhythm going on. And, exactly. Like it's a vibe. It's a vibe. It, it, it is a vibe. Why did you pick this track today? Um, so um, when you asked me, when I was asked, uh, which is the first, which is the first musical memory, and I remember this particular song. I don't know. I think I was around either five years old or six years old, and I remember this was the first song. Like my uncle used to like uh, secular music, secular in quotes, because uh, my family is religious. So the only songs we'd listen to would be uh, gospel music. And um, and my uncle was my uncle had a Walkman. I don't know if it's a Walkman or just that portable thing. Where so it would play cassettes, and so I would listen to all these other non-gospel songs uh, through right. his through his Walkman. And uh, that's the first song um, he was playing. I think at that time uh, Lingala was a, was a, was a thing in Kenya. And this this song in particular, I remember this time because he's he had visited us. Uh, we he lived in a different town, so he came to visit and he played this song a lot. And when he left, this song made me emotional. So every time I'd remember this song, I'd think of my fun uncle because he was my he was my mother's younger brother. So he was the fun uncle who would allow you to you know play games and and listen to his you know ungodly music. And before I go back to my mother's you know strict Anglican and hymns you know those anglican hymns that you used to listen to right but you know if you yeah. listen to this uh, to the intro of this song is also pretty much inspired by gospel yeah tr- well i didn't stray that far so <laughs> so it was i was like it's like so if, and that was my coping mechanism back then i was like if it sounds gospelly if it sounds you know like if it sounds godlike i'm not that far away from you know whatever my parents instilled in me because um i was very fearful of not you know of going against what my parents taught me, you know. So that's why this song was a favorite. I've never really even I've never googled the meaning the meaning of the song or tried to translate the lyrics. But I do remember it was the fondest. It was my fond. I think it's one of the first songs that uh, stuck with me. Yeah, no, I, uh, I I I can only make up so many words of the lyrics in the song because you know my my French is limited and my Congolese <laughs> is even worse, um, but. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, I don't even remember what the few French words in there were that I could understand. Um, like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to try and recall them because, you know, <laughs> I've listened lucky. to this song like three times. I'm, I'm horrible with languages. Like I constantly say it and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in a self-defeatist way because my siblings speak, I think two or three languages, French included. 
but for myself i only st- i stuck with english and kiswahili so that's mm. i can that's what i can say and my kiswahili is terrible it's not a good thing to say but at least <laughs> it being a national language at least i can speak it but not fluently enough to be employed yeah, yeah. no i mean we could uh, we could diverge into an entire conversation about languages like i speak about five of them i think like we bow down <laughs> We bow. <laughs> I mean, we're we're Dutch, right? We're, we're our language, you know, uh, the the geographical area that you can get around with with the Dutch language uh-huh. is so limited. We need at least an extra three languages to actually, you know, be be of use in the world. Um, oh wow! Uh, but uh, but <laughs> enough about me. <laughs> uh-huh. um, you said you still actually listen to a lot of Congolese gospel. Is that uh, is, is is that a direct result of your parents or your fun uncle? Um, so uh, my uncle stopped being fun when I became older. I was like, ah, <laughs> like it's like you're an adult, and it's like, oh, you just let me have all the candy as a kid, and you let me party down yeah. when I was five. But now yes. you're actually, I <laughs> see how terrible you are. <laughs> Exactly. So now, um, so I think maybe, yeah, I think it's a continuation because I'm not one to, yes, as much as I like looking back at the past so as to draw comparisons, this is something that I've just not done of late. And even, I think I stumbled upon a Congolese artist on YouTube some time back, uh, thanks to my not, to me not being able to watch movies. So I was like, what can I watch that is long enough, but not long, but not as long as a movie? Congolese music, because it's like seven, seven, eight minutes. And then when I started, uh, I think, but it's new age. So maybe it's an influence of my parents because I do like gospel music. Um, I realize that I do. And and despite the, you know, me not being religious anymore and me not practicing, you know, not going to church and DTC, but I find something about the way a Congolese musicians craft their music. I find it to be soothing. I like how, like the word used, polyrhythmic, like you just get a whole range of emotions when you listen to such. And so that's why I watch it. And then I feel like they're a bit liberated. I'm not so sure about their practice, but in their music videos, they do a lot of dancing. They do a lot of, you know, like there's a video where they just lifted their chairs up and it's a gospel, and it's a gospel uh, music. It's gospel music. So the thing about God and they're lifting their chairs up, they have tied their, wa- their sweaters around their waists. They're shaking their waist in ways that, you know, you would assume it's club music. So for me, I like that because um, I think, I feel like um, my experience with church, especially the Anglican church, is that everything is stiff and formal. You only sing songs from the hymn book. So if it's not a song that was written 100 years ago, you can't sing it. So this one is a really good, uh, it's a really good balance of, you know, you can still be Christian and it's still part of your culture because I feel like their culture, they do a lot of dancing and ETC. Although someone told me that maybe the reason why I watch it is because of the handsome men. So I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> who knows, right? Who's to say? Yeah, who knows, yeah. So, um, you know, you uh, are Kenyan yourself listening to Congolese music. Like, is there like yeah. a divide between like Central, Eastern and Western African music in that way? Yeah, there is. There is. Because um, I feel like um, in Kenyan music, we have we have this gengetone, there's this, like this new age music, then there's old school music. When I was younger, Ogopa DJs and Homeboys and uh, and Caliph Records, they were the ones who were producing a lot of music and they they named different genres based on the musicians that were based on you know the production house 
But then the, most of them are party songs. And I'm not saying that I don't relate to the party scene. Because, for example, when they're talking about, you know, let's go get girls, let's go get drunk. And I'm like, okay, I get the drunk part. I don't get the girls part, you know. Right. So so um, there's a divide. And then right now there's new age music, which is called, is it Gengeton? Yeah, so it's just a bunch of people. Like there's even a whole new lingo associated with the songs, which they're great for parties. But if I wanted to chill and listen to music, I probably would not listen to that. I'd either listen to R&B, but then also R&B is very sexist. So there are not many love songs that, you know, can be sung that are, you know, that are not directed at women, sung mm. by men. So, so yeah. And then, but what I like about Congolese, it's, it's okay, not only do I not understand, so I'd, I'm, I can say, I'm innocent. I don't know what they were saying. I don't know if it's, okay, of course, I don't know whether it's, they're being misogynist or something. But I do like the vibe they give. Like, it's a lot of energy. And I like how, even when it's secular, like, Fali, the way Fali Pupa sings, it's the same way. Some gospel artists sing. So I like how it's something that has been constant. Of course, the Kenyan music scene is different. And I can't speak for, for it. Because there are some underground, not really underground, like there are some there are musicians who perform like in private shows or in art galleries and ETC who have amazing music. And I wasn't exposed to them until I, I until I started paying for iTunes. So like you'd find are are listening to musicians, not not musicians, like podcasters and um and radio presenters or just media personalities who are like, oh check this one out. Uh they have an album out. So I started watching that and or just you know how these days when you're list, when you're watching someone's Instagram stories, then they've played a song and they're like, Which song is this? So you click and then you're like, Oh, right. it's a Kenyan artist. So that's how uh uh, that's how my music is right now. But I don't listen to as much of Tanzania. I don't listen to Bongo. I don't listen to... Oh, I also like Ugandan music. I'm surprised I didn't put it on my list. Yeah. <laughs> but so basically anything that uh, feels good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, my my knowledge of African artists is so limited. Like I can only name a handful. Like, um, obviously, no, Kofi Olomde is on the list, but apart from that, I probably won't get any further than, like, Burna Boy and Fela Kuti. Um, <laughs> and, um, of course, Nigerian music has infiltrated every scene, mm-hmm. and uh, and I like Nigerian, okay, I like Nigerian music, okay, for clubs, but I don't think I would, like, if I want to, you know, just chill down and have and be mellow, I wouldn't listen to Nigerian music. I would be like something else. Right. So um, between you uh, discovering music through Instagram stories and yes. uh, and back then an uncle playing something on, on, on their Walkman, like how did your yeah. musical taste develop? What, what happened in the past 20, 30, 25 years? Uh, so um, between that, what I was listening to? I was listening to radio stations because um, radio stations was... Uh, that's where a lot of music was being played. Um, so there was ECFM, which used to play really mellow music. Uh, they used to play a lot of R&B. And then there was classic, classic FM that would play lots of uh, Luther Vandross, Alexander O'Neill. And, you know, so I listened to a lot of that. So it was more of a repeat, like between Luther Vandross and Beyonce and just all the other artists in the 90s. Like I remember listening to Jahim, Jagged Edge, uh, just a couple of people. So... I was listening to radio stations. And the problem with radio stations is that their songs are not consistent. So you'd listen to this song in the morning, then you'd have to wait until the following day uh, to listen to it. And I remember someone said uh, something about how if you liked a song in the past, you'd have to, like, it depended on the mood of the radio presenter. So if the presenter liked a particular song, they would play it. But then if 
so you, you know that oh this if this particular dj comes on they definitely play this set but then the, if uh, so it was very sporadic um and it wasn't until when i bought a smartphone and i had access to like to bd and warp tree where i was able to uh list, uh download songs or just listen to songs then i realized that my music taste is just it was love songs then my romantic life was not that amazing so i was like fuck love songs that's fine so I was like, yeah, to hell with love songs. So I just started listening to practical and social, socially conscious music. And then just songs that make me feel good. So I would listen to what, um, like I'd go to a friend's place. And then if whatever song they're playing, I'm just there with my Shazam <laughs> or mm. anything else. Yeah. So I feel like the advent of smartphones has influenced my music taste such that uh, if I play you my, if I play you music from my, from my Shazam list, you'd think like it's very eclectic. I have like, you know, Craig David from way back. And then I also have like a random uh, Hope Dubes song, you know, but I can't say I have a particular identity, you know, like I can't say that, oh, I listen to Beyonce and Beyonce only, or also the my friends have, inter- have influenced my my music. Like before, before which year, before 2011, I, I wouldn't say that I don't think I'd listen to a Beyonce song. Okay, I'd listen to the ones on the radio station. I didn't actively go out to look for Beyonce right. music. But then I had a housemate who would play Beyonce every morning and then and would play Taylor Swift and would play Nicki Minaj. So that's how I started getting like, oh, so this is these songs. So so that also became part of my music. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I only started actively listening to Beyonce after she dropped Lemonade because oh. like it's pretty late, oh. I feel like. But, you know, <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> You're allowed. Right, yeah. I mean, obviously I heard her songs on the radio. I just, you know, at that point I was 2016. Uh, yeah. it, it was, I, I was pretty done with like the, the pop punk emo scene that I was in and I decided to diversify, you know? And like I was listening to my music and I was thinking, damn, this is white. Um, <laughs> I feel, I, I, I had a question, but, but I forgot what it was. It will probably come up again at some point. Ooh, no, wait. I, for, I remember wait. my question. I remember yes. my question. Um, you, 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 when you came to like uh, politically conscious music, is yes. like coffee also like coffee alumni also had like yes. an entire page dedicated to like allegations on uh, like yes. section Wikipedia section. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. do you do you like kind of hide behind the fact that you don't understand the lyrics, or are we just not aware oh, no. of how? Oh no, I'm aware. So, but then right. I was also, but also realized that that was part of like that was the first music. That was one of the first songs that I listened to. Of course, I don't actively listen to him anymore right now. Right. But that, okay. that song was released in '95, so it's part of my future. And you know, okay, I didn't know better, and I can't say that's that, and I can't create a new memory. But I do not listen to him um, so far. But I do remember his song and his influence, and and I got to know him through my uncle. So I do take responsibility for you know right. for acknowledging that yes that was that was my past that was the first song that was the first song that i remember but um i know better now yeah you, you know the way we were vibing to it earlier like this is also mm-hmm. something that we want to have acknowledged like the all the accusations yeah. of misogyny and all of that stuff yeah, and yeah. The, the violence that came with it either way yeah. let's move on to music we still actually listen to artists who aren't cancelled yet quote unquote yes maybe. all right <laughs> montero lil nas x Yay. I caught it bad just today. You hit me with a call to your place. Ain't been out in a while anyway. Was hoping I could catch you throwing smiles in my face. Romantic talking, you don't even have to try. 
You're cute enough to fuck with me tonight Looking at the table, all I see is bleeding white Baby, you living the life, but nigga, you ain't living right Cocaine and drinking with your friends You're living a dark boy, I cannot pretend I'm not faced, only you to sin If you've been in your garden, you know that you can Call me when you want, call me when you need Call me in the morning, I'll be on the way Time that I speak, a diamond and a nine. It was mine every week. What a time and incline. God was shining on me. Now I can't leave. And now I'm making that Italy. Never want the niggas that's in my league. I wanna fuck the ones I envy. I envy. Cocaine and drinking with your friends. You live in the dark, boy. I cannot pretend. I'm not faced. Only you to sin. If you've been in your garden, you know that you can. Call me when you want. So yeah, um, in a stark contrast with the previous song, a track of barely two minutes, um, <laughs> I think this is like where I, th I think this is one of the very few songs that are gonna be played in full in the entire podcast. Like usually, stuff yeah. gets uh, you know faded out halfway through. Um, uh -huh. In case you're interested in listening to the entire thing. Um, there is a playlist with all of the songs ever featured on the show, you know, click it on pr press play and shuffle through like, uh, who knows whatever you might find probably a lot mm -hmm. of other African artists that have been on the featured on the show before you can find the playlist on queersounds.com. So yeah, call me by your name, Lil Nas X Montero. So why did you pick this track today for your favorite queer artists? Uh, because I was thinking about which queer, I was like, which queer artist do I know? And, uh, immediately I thought about Lil Nas X, because I like how bold he is. I'm hoping his pronouns are he. I like how bold and, you know, like, true to themselves. Um, I was complaining how, uh, we rarely get, like, same-sex kisses in videos. And even when, even when queer artists are singing about love songs, they it's usually very ambiguous or, you know, it's just hand-holding or something, which is, not, which is not my true reality. So I was like... And I also like how, because of, you know, um, being bold and, you know, and him being open about uh, the mental struggles, like, he has not glorified queerness. He has, like, it's been the, the good and the bad. And I think uh, he lives his truth... And you see that on his Twitter post and his things. And the only thing I can hope for is that uh, there's a supportive team of, they, uh, like he has a support system or that that affirms him and loves him because he's really doing a lot. And I think, um, yeah, and there's also, it has also, uh, not really, I feel like Andrew's are disrupt, like disrupted the scene. Like this showed us what the new normal looks like. And, you know, and whatever 
um, heterosexual artists have been doing for years, you know, dancing with girls, you know, almost having sex on stage. And then he's there, he's doing it. So it makes me uh, very proud that that all the activism work that, you know, has gone before us. Like, this is, like, the young generation is okay. Like, they're they're the ones to do the work. Like, they'll be the ones to disrupt the system. Right. Um, It's it's also, like, Lil Nas X's entire career is pretty campy, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you know, with the 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 kiss that you're referring to, like yeah. at the uh, the BET Awards uh, in 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 late June, that's uh, it, it. People were outraged, right? Whereas everyone else was just kind of, whereas us queer folks were actually pretty cool and like, oh wow, this is fun. And also, you know, of course, immediately in terms political, because when Lil Nas X kisses a other guy on stage, people are outraged. Whereas, you know, Britney Spears makes out with Madonna. Everyone's like, oh, my God, that's so hot. So, you know, this is uh, something that a lot of people jumped on, obviously. Um, And uh, I don't know if y'all follow Lil Nas X on Twitter, but he's hilarious. It's it's yeah. absolutely worth the effort, especially like uh, surrounding this this um this this little Twitter riot that was going on. Like he snapped back at everything he could. Um, like y'all really pretend homosexuality didn't exist in African culture. Uh, mm-hmm. to throw in a quote. Or um, you know, him going like you know, there if 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 you're going to react this uh, extreme about a kiss, I'm just gonna fuck the guy on stage next time. Like he's he is amazing and deserves our respect for that. Um, so uh, I'm I'm not even entirely sure where we wanted to go with this conversation. So let's just <laughs> latch on to the fact um, that he said um, y'all like to pretend homosexuality didn't exist in African culture, um, mm-hmm. and use that as a segue to your personal queer experience, because you know obviously it was white missionaries who created the stigma around you know being queer. Uh, in yeah. in both Africa and Europe, um, yeah. what's 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 your what's your experience with you know being an an out person in you know rural Kenya? Um, well, it's interesting. Um, while there's a uniqueness, like I feel like you know, don't say that. Oh, my story is this, but um, every time we we have conversations with other queer people and especially in, in Eldorado where I come from, our stories are similar. It's only that there are some extremes because you all live in the same country where uh, there's shame and stigma around same-sex sexuality, same-sex attra- attractions. And um, and the times when even looking back, like the times when I talk about my story, then there's someone who has had it worse. So I'm like, well, that thing about shame and how all of us are dealing with it. like, And, and that's the thing about homophobia, just instilling shame in you, making you feel like you're not worth, um, that you're not worth anything because uh, because of what they think your sexuality means and how, like, the biggest fear when someone comes out is being asked, uh, is being reduced to the kind of sex that you have, which for a very long time, that really troubled me. I was like, but I really like, um, like, I remember when I was younger, uh, when I was coming to terms uh, with my own identity, I remember I was just saying, like, 
uh it's like i was trying to pacify god or christianity i was like i'll only fall in love i wouldn't even have that sex that you that you that you have mentioned in leviticus i only love this person deeply etc etc so and it really took me a while for, to have a full identity where i'm like yes i like this person i love this person and i want to actually be intimate with them because for me intimacy was something that you know leviticus said and, and it wasn't later on and i realized it's criminalized because for me my biggest my biggest issue was the bible because of my background my biggest issue was burning in hell so then later i was like wait even the country doesn't then went to high school and you could be expelled for it like they would like they would discontinue education because of that and then later on i realized oh so it's illegal you can get up to 14 years imprisonment and so it's like i've been bargaining with myself and it was it wasn't until I I think it wasn't until I met other queer folk, uh, and that was like in my early twenties, where I slowly started affirming myself. And even before then, before I met other queer folk, I remember I think I started dating before I met other queers. And I thought like before I became an activist, I was just a boyfriend. And I think so I was okay. I was following that trope where they tell you why do you have to show it, you know? Why can't you be queer in private? So that was my life for I think a year after. After I came out, I think I, I came out officially when I was 21 or 22. So, and then I started dating someone. And so for a very long time, my queer experience was me and my boyfriend. But then later, I think when it's, when QNHT was forming, that's when I started meeting other queer folks who are, whose queerness was different from mine. And I remember that time, I was very judgy because, <laughs> you know, she was like, why can't you all be in relationships and be happy? Why do you have to show the world that you're queer? Then look at me now. I'm on the band. <laughs> I'm on the front lines of you know telling uh, of you know just encouraging all forms of queerness to exist. Because for me, uh, mine was respectability. I was I was very deep into respectability. I was I'll be monogamous. I'll be polite. I'll not I'll not ruffle feathers. I'll try to blend in as much as I can. But then I met other people who were not monogamous who liked going to the clubs who liked um hooking up and their identities were as valid as mine so for me um it's been a lot of doing the inner work of just acceptance and i realized the reason i had a problem with people was because i didn't fully accept myself and i accepted myself only towards the lens which uh to i, I saw myself with the lens through the lens of the society uh it wasn't until i was like you know what let's let me find myself so that has been my journey and of course it has had its ups and downs but i think like my biggest detractor was myself because uh, of course there are people who'd call you names and then of course there's uh there are people who would you know uh call you names because they want to shame you mm-hmm. it wasn't until i realized the power of shame and how society uses shame to silence you and to make you feel like you're not valid that i slowly started working towards dismantling it so I, so that has been my career experience, like working, doing the inner work of, you know, unlearning shame and, you know, accepting my identity and loving myself uh, while building a community of people, a community of people uh, who support and affirm and also trying to create change so that people who come before me, uh, no, after me, will not have to, you know, like shame will no longer exist because when they see you living boldly, boldly and truthfully, and like in the real sense, you know, because we keep saying we are queer and we're here uh, out and proud, but we are still battling with other things. So 
Was it just a matter of sexuality for you or did gender also play a part at some point? Uh, it's funny how I, did, I saw a friend's post who said something about how once you're done with your, with your sexual identity, then, then once you're done with your sexuality, you think you figure it out, then gender identity comes along and you're like, ooh, so much, so these layers. And so, and this is something a friend of mine shared. So I was, and it's fine. I don't know if I should tell this story. So a friend of mine who identifies as non-binary um, was, was in my town. Uh, so my friend, uh, is come, uh, lives there. they live in Nairobi. So they came to Eldoret and so they were like, let's hang out. So they wanted to hang out and I was with my friends. So I was telling my friends, uh, so a friend of mine is coming, they identify as they, so... I want you to be, you know, be mindful of their pronouns, etc., etc. And then so my friends are like, and my best friend was like, ah, but you're also, you're also non-binary. I was like, huh? So others decided for you, like you're not straight, so you're by definition not a guy? Yeah. So, but but it was from a it was from a good place because I've really never identified myself with gender. Like, you know, like I've never really fully said, oh. Um, me like if my gender expression has been fluid at most like ever since i could you know because i make my i make most of my clothes so and they'll they always have a flair to them so half the things i wear someone will be like ah like i had a really big problem with my tailor at first my tailor was like isn't this for girls yeah so i've always like my gender expression is very yeah and i think i've been wearing eyeliner for the longest time so my friend was like yeah your expression is you know is gender, your expression is gender fluid or so you are you're you're non-binary but you know and then they were like uh it's just that you don't know it or and i was like yeah true because okay i've always that i've reflected on it but i never fully exclusively present as male i don't so i've always won but then uh so i asked myself like so do i want to go by pronouns then i was like no i feel like um there are people who have not done the work like i don't know like that's not been my identity like yes i present myself in a certain way because because as a form of rejection of masculinity because fuck it mm -hmm. yeah but i still go by my pronouns like yeah i don't know how to put it like it's mm -hmm. there in the middle yeah um is there a specific difference that uh that comes from for example like uh, not being from Nairobi or, or wait, let me put this differently. Is there a specific difference uh, between, you know, a, the queer scene in Nairobi versus, you know, the, yeah. the, the in, in the rural parts? Yes, there is, there is. Uh, there's a lot of conformity. Not, okay, so these two things. Um, so in Nairobi, people are very, Nairobi is very metropolitan. So people would, you know, like if you wear certain things or if you, pre if you present yourself in a certain way, people would be like, oh, it's Nairobi, you're an artist. Um, in a in a rural setting, people would like like there's a lot of uh, fluidity in presentation. Like you'd find you'd see people who are dressed in a very masculine. Like you'd see female-bodied persons dressed in very masculine ways. But people just think it's oh, it's it's because of who they are. You know, they'd be like oh, they're backwards. They don't know fashion. That's why they're dressing like boys. Etc. Etc. And it's not an it's not a big deal. Like they don't see it as they don't associate gender identity with sexual orientation. They don't they don't associate gender presentation, how you present your gender with sexual orientation. So there's that. And then also like you can get away with not really get away. Like people haven't really made a decision about how to treat queers. So and the reason I'm saying that it's like they're in the middle. They can be swayed. So 
it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for advocacy and for, you know, community, for enlightenment and awareness. But then it's also an opportunity for violence because it depends with how someone feels. Uh, it depends on how the community feels because that days when, because I think in like in Eldorado, there was a particular club that everyone would tell you it's queer. Like they'd be like, don't go to that club because it's a queer club. But then they didn't burn it down. They didn't, they didn't, uh, you know, uh, harass the owner. Like people knew it was a queer space and they just let it be. So that's why, like, it's, I feel like they would just warn people, don't go there because of this and this. But on the other hand, um, qu- young queer students, young queers who are either students or unemployed are facing different, uh, face different uh, realities, especially when they, when they, when they're in institutions of, uh, when they're in learning institutions. So for example, that's where you, you are expelled from school or you're suspended on suspect on suspicion of, you know, same-sex attractions. Uh, there are people, but at the same time, there are like trans individuals who exist in families or in communities. Um, people don't, they don't announce it because they're like, this is a family issue. So for example, there's this particular case where um, a nurse, on, an athlete was accused of, you know, of impersonation, uh, and then when this story came out, because apparently uh, the athlete uh, they they presented themselves as as a nurse and um, uh, in in one of the in one of the largest referral hospitals here, and so when the story was being investigated, when the community members were interviewed, they're like, yeah, yeah, they used to dress uh, in female. They used to dress in uh, female clothing, but we thought it was a face. So which which meant that. There was some level of acceptance, but it's just that, you know, people do want to talk about it because either they don't have a name for it or because they don't think they don't make a big deal out of it. So it's an opportunity for advocacy, but also it's also uh it's also a weakness for violence. Once people think, Oh, my church says people like you should be, you know, punished, they will go right ahead. So that's that's the experience. But in Nairobi, they'll be like, Oh, you're an artist. Like even myself, like right. when I wear those when I wear those short shorts, they'll be like, ah, They'll be like, yo, so where are you performing? Where's your show? <laughs> so, but yeah, that's 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 the challenge. Right. And all yeah. of your knowledge and activism uh, <laughs> boils down to something called Q Initiative, creating safe spaces for queer people in rural Africa. I, uh, because of the time, I don't think we'll be able to talk about it too much, yeah. but it is a name that I want to have mentioned. So, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, hey, this uh, this person sounds... Uh, cool and interesting and smart and I really want to check out what they do I'd highly recommend checking out Q Initiative I will put a link in the show notes let's get some music back into the show a uh, something that we actually could have done at the beginning as well because you know we were talking about movies Glory (laughs) by Common and John Legend hands to the heavens no man no weapon Formed against, yes, glory is destined. Everyday women and men become legends. Sins that go against our skin become blessings. The movement is a rhythm to us. Freedom is like religion to us. Justice is juxtaposition in us. Justice for all just ain't specific enough. One son died, the spirit is revisiting us. True and living, living in us. Resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus. 
That's why we walk through Ferguson with our hands up. When it go down, we woman and man up. They say stay down and we stand up. Shots, we on the ground. The camera panned up. King pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up. One day when the glory comes, it will be ours. It will be When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, oh, no. woman and child even jesus got his crown in front of a crowd they march with the torch we gonna run with it now never look back we done gone hundreds of miles from dark roads heroes to become a hero facing the league of justice his power was the people enemy is lethal a king became regal saw the face of jim crow under a bald ego the biggest weapon It's to stay peaceful, we sing. Our music is the cuts that we bleed through. Somewhere in the dream we had an epiphany. Now we right the wrongs in history. No one can win a war individually. It take the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy. Welcome to the story we call victory. The coming of the Lord, my eyes have seen the glory. So obviously a track that very well suits you, I feel like. Um, it, it Obviously Common has got these... Uh, the these these uh, religious uh, approaches to Lou, to to his lyrics. Uh, so uh, you know that's something we talked about before. I'm saying it's very chatchy. <laughs> it is, it is, and you know this is this this song in particular also uh, coming from a movie, but definitely with the activist perspective to it. Um, with with you know the entire movie about Martin Luther uh, Luther King. Um, yeah. So so yeah, I feel like this song very much suits you. Um, we've uh, you you've seen this uh, song performed live by Common yeah. at a festival in 2017. Um, yes. So paint a picture. Were were there as many uh, strings and orchestras as we can hear here, or how? <laughs> so mm, well, first of all, so that was my first concert. Um, so my my one of my close friends, uh, Mary Izobu, she's Nigerian. Um, so she took me to a concert because she was like, she's the type who doesn't understand uh, why I've not been to a concert or why I've never been to the movies because she was like, wait, you've never been to a concert? So I went to visit her and then she took me to the cinema. So I was not, uh, she took me to that show, the International Festival, and I was so in awe. I was like, oh my God, this is organized so well. And, you know, and there was those performances, those black coffee, who had his, uh, who had his mix. Um, and, uh, of course, by the time Common was performing, it was raining. Then there was a rainbow. 
people. And then, you know, South Africans bring the energy. So there's a lot of dancing. I think I was on my phone the entire time. Um, about the performance, I don't think there was many strings and quartets, but there was a lot of energy and power. And people just were there lifting their phones, uh, recording, of course. And Common was just there giving, I think it was a very heartfelt performance. It felt like it was... And I think that's when I knew the difference between those people who perform with DJs uh, in the back and someone who's just, you know, uh, who actually uh, just does the song. So it was very powerful for me. Uh, too bad I didn't record it because I would have shared it, you know, tell you, hey, so I saw Common perform live. But it was, it was a mind-blowing experience. The fact that I was, you know, a few feet away from this um, actor, this person that I normally see on TV, and also the fact that it was my first time, I was just like, yo, I think it made me want to go to concerts more often. Yeah, I was I'm just lazy. about to ask. <laughs> um, like, I'm so used to, I feel like in Kenya, and especially, no, not Kenya, Eldoret, all the good concerts I held, like in Nairobi, like Nairobi has a lot of, you know, international concerts with international artists headlining them. And they're like blankets and wine, you know, like these festivals that are well organized. But then in Eldoret, the most you can do is get a performance in a club, you know? Or, or you go to a church in the afternoon where they're playing a song. Or, you know, like there's this uh, concert that used to be held every uh, every 31st where a lot of artists, but that's a Christian one. So those are the limited examples. Those are the limited examples of con- concerts, not these ones where there's large, there's a large gathering, there are technicians and, you know, everything is top-notch. So it's very hard to find that in Eldorado. Yes. So uh, it's just kind of disappoint. Are you disappointed that you can go to concerts more often, or are you like, okay, well, do you have do you have peace with it? No, I'm disappointed because I finally now that I can finally afford concerts, COVID has happened, and you know, like not even like I can afford and actually have interest. Like I'm passionate to go. Like there's some artists that I feel I would want to watch them perform live. You know. Uh, so feel like now that I'm I'm able to do that and you know I can save up I can put money aside to actually indulge that this COVID so it's really unfortunate um, I don't like that. Do you uh, have like some places to go? Like, are there things equivalent to concerts? Like maybe some local scenes of of someone playing guitar somewhere on the corner of a street or in like a bar? Uh, well, I feel like there are. But I feel like in Eldoret, there's a lot of spoken word and like hip hop. And I'm not one person to, you know, I don't think I'd sit through a hip hop performance. Uh, and, you know, like, or small intimate gatherings. I know they're musicians, but I feel like I'm lazy. I'm, I'm, I'm late, socially lazy to do that um, of late. Oh, I recently made friends with, uh, with someone, with a musician who relocated to Eldoret. So he was talking about uh, musical gigs. So I was like, yeah, I would want to, I would watch that. Because Eldoret is very, like, most of the concerts, like that was back then, were gospel concerts. So like, you know, back to school events where dance crews would perform and, you know, some local artists. But other than that, like there wasn't much apart from the clubs because clubs were there, like there are a lot of club scenes. But to, to have like a musical, a cafe where an artist performs, which I think is really cool. We don't have most of that. And also I feel like if I was to pay for a concert or do after the after the common experience, I would want somewhere where, you know, there are there like food stands, there's where I'm not rushed, where everything's well organized. There's security, of course. I'm not saying that I'm not shading alert in any way. <laughs> but yeah, but I feel like there are places like that have come up of late, like where people 
park their cars and chill, you know, socially, uh, in a socially distant but still together kind of way. But my weekends are so, like, I'm exhausted during the weekends, so I tend to sleep in. Fair. Yeah, so... Uh, but it's something I would, I would like to do. So far, like after um, the the festival you went to, have you yeah. seen a lot of bands life at all? Or is it always just a little bit too much uh, too far? Uh, well, through YouTube, yes. And now, and, and you know, and you know, when COVID, when the pandemic started uh, and then there was lockdown. So there are a lot of online perf- uh, musicians are performing online through ah, right. media. So yes, I've experienced that. But then, you know, which is, Okay, because you know you can always you know turn off your camera, you can always switch off your Wi-Fi if you don't participate anymore. But it's not the same. But I feel like that one, that concert, that one really, and the fact that I was going there with my friend that I hadn't seen in a year, so it was so much fun. Um, I still replay those videos. But it's something I would really want. I would want to go to another concert, of course. Um, I keep saying if the next time I'm in Johannesburg, I'd go to where you know I'd look up musicians and you know do other things apart from sightseeing and drinking right so for example when you're uh working with q initiative and uh like the main thing there is creating safe spaces for queer people to hang out do you also like is there a little bit of an initiative like hey maybe we should get some live music up in here and have some fun uh some fun (laughs) environment to have for people to hang we should actually um this year we got an awakening not this year i think like we got an awakening some time back last year where we were thinking because we were very we were very we were focused on health and rights so basically that was our angle then we realized that you know what we do need to we do we need to do other things apart from access to health and you know and justice and you know we need to do other things. So we're currently doing this exciting project called Deconstructing Gender. We are using art to, you know, inspire conversations around gender presentation and gender identity and how that is linked to, you know, to human rights violations. And so the first step was we do we did photo voice and people are like, this is such a cool thing because we did, we looked up uh, photos of, you know, fashion in the 60s, 70s and 80s in Kenya. Oh, right on. And yeah, and we recreated those looks because, you know, people keep saying, oh, men wearing uh, tight clothes is, is taboo, you know, women wearing these, uh, people with piercings, that's that's an African. But we went back and we're like, but this is in Kenya. This was, you know, this is what our fathers used to wear. This is what our grandmas were wearing. So why are you saying this is a challenge? So we did that and we had a photo voice exhibition and people showed up. We didn't have live music because we couldn't afford it. But just that space for conversation was really cool. And so... We're also doing, um, we're also creating, anim- not really animes, you're creating, what's that thing called? But you're creating content, online and digital content uh, on, our, on our Instagram and our Snapchat, which is, uh, I think, uh, gender deconstructing on Instagram. We just have uh, things where we're questioning social, these this social norms, quote unquote, where, you know, males are supposed to, males are supposed to be a certain way, women, um, uh, women uh, f- uh femininity is for certain people so we're doing that and we, we also have a fashion show i wish i had a budget for we have a gender neutral fashion show i wish i had a budget for live music but it's just having that space for people to come chill and not talk about hiv or mm-hmm. sexual rights or you know so it's a it's something that we we are piloting this year we are hoping that we'll continue to do it because you know people like like there's more to queerness than just you know safeguarding your 
your wellness. Sometimes just want to exist. We're like we've, we have we have struggled for rights. We continue to do that. But just having that space to to listen and heal and you know maybe we can maybe in the next in the version in in the version for the coming year we'll we'll have live music. Exactly. It's not always about making everything political, even though everything is political all of the time. But sometimes you just gotta sit down and enjoy some 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 show with very well dressed people, right? You just gotta sit down for a minute and take a breather. True. And also and, and we noticed that uh, that space having that space for people to just dress up, you know, it's really cool because I feel like in our, in one of our events, in our photo voice exhibition, there's uh, one of our, one of the participants showed up in something made out of pins. Was it pins or is it mesh? Like it, it was so beautiful. And then they showed up in heels and they had like a little beard and lipstick. Like it was so, it was so cool. And I was like, these are the spaces we need, you know? So I feel that the pandemic has made, has made me uh, just change my mind about as an activist, because like there's some things that are not changing, but how do we start appreciating and each other more and just affirming people in these safe spaces that you're creating. But before, before, before we do the credits, what do you want to, uh, what do you have left to say about the last name, uh, that, the last song what do you have to say about the last song your name by noel deritu um so what i like about what i love about that song is if <laughs> and this is silly like i feel like that is how i'll meet that's how i'll meet my soulmate that's how i'll meet my i don't say love of my life because maybe there are several but <laughs> i've always felt like if i was to meet someone we'd meet in person as opposed to grinder where that details as opposed to Grand and Tinder, which has worked so far. But I imagine being in a situation where you've met someone, you've liked them, you the eye contact, and then you want to do something with them, but then you don't know their name. And you know, but you want to see them again. Um, I feel like I would really like that to happen in my life. And also just the, the artistry and the fact that this um I came to find out about this artist uh last year in the middle of when we were in the middle of lockdown and that we couldn't go anywhere and I was just there with my iTunes and I was like, oh, this is really cool music. It's it's a song that, you know, um, that just shows intention and, you know, of course I was not there about, um, I don't want that part about children, but I like, <laughs> but I just like that idea of having someone you who you are deeply attracted to and you want to do things with them and you want to see a future with them. Um, thank you for sharing all of your wonderful insights and stories and anecdotes. Um, you've you. been a pleasure to talk to. Um, this has been this has been Queer Sounds. Uh, if you like this show, go tell a friend. Tell how much great artists you, uh, how many great artists you've discovered through this show. Uh, especially if you discovered some fun African music you weren't aware of before. Uh, you know, drop us a line and, and spread the word. Um, you can do so by um, getting in touch through at Queer Sounds Pod on Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitter. If you want to support the show financially, you can do so through patreon.com slash queersounds. And with that said and done, here is the last track for today. Your name. Picture perfect. You're the perfection that I see. And is it worth it? Should I take a chance or just leave? Saw you from the corner of my eye 
I turned and flashed my big guy freak and smile And then I saw you smile back I think I had a heart attack, baby And I watched you walk away I watched you walk away mm -hmm. I wanna take walks with you in the summer And I don't even know your name I wanna keep warm with you in the winter And I don't even know your name You can tell me all your dreams over dinner Nightcap with you, my love Before I go on Won't you tell me Go on. Please tell me your name. I wanna know, I wanna know your name. Maybe your number, baby. Tell 